Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Joel Hudson. I'm the worship pastor here at Rolling Hills Nashville. These past few weeks, we've been in our series, Christmas, The Supporting Cast. You may have heard the story of the Magi or the three kings who came bearing gifts for baby Jesus in the past, but today we want to take a closer look at the significance of the Magi coming to see the Messiah. Their presence is such an important part of the Christmas story as we can learn from the sacrifice, the humility, and the generosity of their gifts and their arrival. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Welcome everybody here at our Franklin campus. Welcome everybody who's joining in online, wherever you're joining in from. We are so glad that you're a part of what God's doing here at Rolling Hills today. And I'm excited about today. Hey, we are six days to Christmas. So I don't mean to cause any panic for anybody who's got all these days you gotta get done and everything else, but I do hope and pray that, that you'll enjoy these six days, right? There's a lot, a lot of, you know, trying to buy gifts and get everything ready and cards and all that, but, but between now and then, man, just enjoy it. Embrace this time. I mean, the joy of Christmas and the love of family and friends around you, and I hope and pray this is your best Christmas yet. And we have been in an incredible series here called Christmas, The Supporting Cast. And I've loved this series because what we've been talking about is, is some people who don't get a lot of recognition, right? But, but they got Jesus. That very first Christmas, they were there and they, they saw Jesus and so many people missed him. And, and like we said today, so many people get caught up in Christmas and they're doing all the things that are cultural Christmas, right? But, but they're missing out on what Christmas is really all about. It's about Christ. He's the Christ of Christmas. And so I hope and pray that we're people who see Jesus, and we've looked back at Jesus' genealogy and see how God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. And that's good news for all of us, right? That's good news that we are imperfect people, but God uses us for his glory if we will just focus on him. And then we saw this, we saw Simeon and Anna. And we saw this contrast, and when Jesus was a baby and came to the temple and all the people were around, it was these two people, Simeon who was older and Anna who was older and who's been through a lot of tough things in her life, and yet they saw Jesus, and their lives were forever changed. And then today we're looking at this, the Magi, the Magi, the wise men. Now they get a little bit more publicity, a lot more people know about the Magi, but, but do we know all really about them? And they even got their own song, right? We three kings of Orient are traveling, right, from afar, you know, we bearing gifts and that whole thing. And, but the deal is, right, there probably wasn't just three. There was probably more. Uh, early Eastern Orthodox, you know, believers believed that there was 12. But they had a caravan. I mean, then they rolled up into Jerusalem and they got the attention of King Herod. So, I mean, there were a lot of people that were coming in. We know that they probably weren't there at the Nativity, they probably weren't there like with the shepherds when Jesus was born. They probably came about six months, a year, two years later. 
But what we do realize is this, is they came a long way. I mean, we're talking probably 1,600 miles to see Jesus. They were the first Christian travelers, right, for that Christmas. They were the first ones who came to Jesus. Now, maybe you grew up traveling for Christmas. We grew up traveling for Christmas. I remember as a kid, uh, my sister and I, when we would drive from, you know, with my parents for all the way from San Antonio, Texas to Sweetwater, Texas, like five hours. And we would rock, paper, scissors in the back seat for who had to sleep in the floorboard because there was a big hump, right? And we were trying to figure out how you gonna sleep over that. And, and then now that I'm a dad, you know, I, I remember when we traveled to go see, you know, Lisa's family or we would go to San Antonio to see my family. Uh, I am so thankful for whoever invented the portable DVD player. Game changer, right? I mean, now, you know, it's like your kids are like, hey, just watch a movie. You're fine, you know, you watch a movie. But imagine these guys are coming 1,600 miles on the back of camels, all right? I mean, we're, we're talking like, this is not an easy trip. This is like four to six months of traveling. And, and can you imagine, right, you know, as soon as they're gone, like two days into it, are we there yet? You know, like, come on, dudes, we got like six months to go, you know, like, you know, like, you know stop fighting or I'm gonna put you outside. You know, we're already outside, you know? I mean, these guys, I mean, they were like, get to win it, man. I mean, they were like going all the way. It wasn't just like, hey, I'm gonna drive down the street and, and we're gonna go to worship. We are coming from all the way across the wilderness to go to Jerusalem because we want to see Jesus. We wanna see what Christmas is really all about. And I just think today, I just think today, you know, it becomes kind of this cultural Christmas and, and we got our trees up and everything else, but are we passionately pursuing the Christ of Christmas? Are we longing to be in his presence? Are we longing to worship him? And I think there's a lot we can learn from some guys 2,000 years ago who said, man, I wanna see Jesus. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter two, Matthew chapter two. So first book, New Testament, all right, I want you to see this today. You got the Old Testament right there and then you flip into Matthew and it's all about Jesus. I mean, Jesus is that defining moment in history. Jesus split history in two, B.C., A.D. All comes down to Jesus and here we see split the Bible in two, Old Testament, Old Covenant, New Testament, New Covenant. And we're coming here to Matthew chapter two. And it tells us this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. All right, there's a lot to unpack right here, but let me, let me kind of tell you just a few things here. It says Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So you may remember from Luke 2, right? You know, you got Mary and Joseph and they're up there in Nazareth and they've got to make their own trip. I mean, they come 90 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And so here you think about Mary being nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey coming all the way 90 miles to get down to Bethlehem. But the prophecy said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, which is the Hebrew meaning house of bread. Pretty awesome to think about the house of bread comes the bread of life, right? Remember Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So here we are, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Now, if you remember back in world history, right, the Romans had conquered basically the entire world about that time, but they conquered Palestine in 63 BC. Pompey came in, 
conquered this area. At 37 BC, Herod becomes kind of the king over this area. So you still had Caesar Augustus, and then he had these different kings of different regions. Well, King Herod was brilliant. I mean, this guy was an incredible builder. So if you ever get the chance to go to Israel, and we do a biblical study tour to Israel every couple of years, we'll go back in October of 22. If you wanna go, it's incredible. But you'll see things that King Herod built 2,000 years ago. He comes in and he expands the temple. I mean, he starts building Masada. He does all these incredible building projects. And so he's there, he's building, and Magi from the east. Now, Magi is where we, the root word, magician, right? But we're not talking about like Houdini kind of people. I mean, these Magi were wealthy, okay? I mean, these back were the philosophers. They were kind of kings in the Babylon Orient area over there. These guys, I mean, they had it going on. I mean, they were wealthy, they were successful, and they were from the east, and they came to Jerusalem. Now, we're not exactly sure when it says the east. You know, a lot of people go, is that the Orient, or where was that? But most biblical scholars believe this is from Babylon. And if you remember back in the Old Testament, remember when uh, you know, the Babylonians came in and conquered Jerusalem, 586 BC, and they took the exiles off? Do you remember some stories like Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you remember those kind of stories, right? Daniel gets over there and he interprets the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. He rises up in power in Babylon. And if you go to Daniel chapter nine, he's talking about the prophecies of the Messiah that is to come. And so 500 years later, these prophecies have continued on and these magi have been watching and looking and waiting in the influence of one person. The influence of one person who lives for Christ, the influence of one person who points people to God, it just continues through generations. And so these magi have been watching and they've been watching and they come in and they say, where is he born, king of the Jews? We saw his star. Now astronomy was a big deal back then, right? I mean, you can think about that. Uh, they, you know, the ship sailed by astronomy, you traveled by astronomy, you, you saw the stars, you knew the stars. And when something would break in, they were going, woo, God's trying to get our attention. I mean, there's something happening. And we don't know exactly what star they saw. Uh, we know, you know, kind of go back through records that Halley's Comet came by in 7 BC. There was an alignment of Saturn and Jupiter and Mars that was supposed to be incredible in like in 4 BC. But most likely there was in 2 BC and in, in really zero, there was this, this incredible thing that people can't explain. It was this bright light that was up there. And so these magi have been waiting and knowing the prophecies and they see this break in and they go, God's here. And we're gonna go worship him. We're gonna go worship him. Well, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Okay, now that's kind of an understatement because you know King Herod, he was an incredible builder and all that, but he was also insanely suspicious. This guy, like he was always scared somebody was gonna try to take his throne. And so he had his wife killed his wife that he loved, but he thought she was trying to take the throne, and then he regretted it the next day, and he like tried to keep her for like two weeks in the house. I mean, just weird dude, okay? You know, he, I mean, like, you know, like, what in the world, right? He killed his oldest son. He killed two more of his sons. Caesar Augustus once said, it's safer to be one of Herod's pigs than one of Herod's sons. Okay, so that kind of tells you the kind of guy we're dealing with, right? This guy was an egomaniac. He was on power hungry, and now this caravan rolls up into Jerusalem with all these wealthy people, right? And all these slaves and stuff. And they're like, hey, uh, where's the king of the Jews? And he's like, excuse me? 
I'm the king of the Jews. You know, what are you talking about here? No, 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 no. We saw his star and we've come to worship him. Herod's like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, let me just kind of give you an example. This guy, Herod, he knew when he was about to die that nobody was gonna mourn his death. And so he went down to Jericho and he gave an order that when he died to round up 70 of the most important people of the Jews in Jerusalem and have them killed at the same time so that at least there would be some tears shed for him. Now they didn't do it, but that's the kind of guy he was, okay? So when it says all Jerusalem is disturbed with him, you can imagine, right? And, and he, he called all together the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. So Herod's like, hey, hey, go get those Pharisees, the Sadducees, get all those people together, and, and you guys know the Old Testament, you know the prophecies, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? And they said in Bethlehem. In Judea, they replied, for this is what was written, that the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. That's Micah 5.2, okay? If you go back, written 500 years before Jesus was born, saying that prophecies, and every one of these prophecies written hundreds of years before Jesus are all fulfilled in Jesus. I mean, it's incredible. And so they said, Bethlehem, well, then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star appeared. So Magi, you know, come, and they tell him exactly when the star appeared. So Herod's putting it all together, right? Star appeared at this time over at Bethlehem is where the Messiah is going to be, and he's adding it up. And he said to them, he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now, did Herod want to go worship him? No, right? He wanted to kill him. But he's like, hey, you guys go. I'm not going to start a massive war here. You guys go and worship him, and then you let me know and, and tell me where he is so that I can go worship him. Well, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Can you imagine? I mean, God's just leading them. God is just leading them right there to Jesus. It's amazing to me how God uses things in our lives, things that we're passionate about, things that we love, to, to lead us to Christ, to lead us to Christ. And so they, they come. And I love this, verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Well, yeah, after 1,600 miles, right, on camels, six months, I mean, I'm sure they're overjoyed. They're like, yes, but now they're getting to see the Messiah, Jesus, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Now, now think about this, right? Jesus probably you know, six months, a year, year and a half or so. Mary and Joseph are outside. You know, they're probably playing on the playground in the neighborhood or whatever. I mean, they've stayed right there. They've got Jesus. They haven't gone back home because they don't, they're kind of poor. They don't have a way to, you know, travel all the time. They're trying to take care of this baby. And all of a sudden, this entourage comes rolling up, you know, in front of their apartment complex, right? And they're just coming in and all these people coming in. And, and then they come out and, and they say, where is he? And they bring Jesus out and they bow down and start to worship him. I bet Mary and Joseph were like, what is going on? And I mean, this is incredible. And then they opened their treasures. I love that word, their treasures. What was important to them? What was significant to them? They opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
And guys, these were expensive. I mean, gold, yes, obviously, right? But frankincense and myrrh, I mean, these were precious, precious, precious. They gave their best. They gave their best and they worshiped Jesus. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by a different route. Having been warned in this dream, this angel says, hey, don't go back to him, man. I mean, he's gonna try to come here and kill. And we'll know that if you keep reading what Herod tried to do to all the babies born there in Bethlehem. But they went back different. They went back changed. They saw Jesus and their lives were forever different. And I pray that for us. I pray that for us this Christmas with everything going on that we would have a heart to see Jesus. All right, if you're taking notes today, if you've got a worship guide or if you're online and you've got the Rolling Hills app, you can write some things down. You can go in and fill in some blanks that would just gonna help us to remember. But there's a lot that we can learn right here from these guys who realized they were the supporting cast. They weren't the main show, even though they were wealthy, they were successful, it was all about Jesus, and it still is. See, Jesus is for all people. He's for all people. Notice, right, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, all right, so this is not just a Jerusalem thing, it's not just an Israel thing, this is all the way to the east. They came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and we have come to worship him. All right, look at this. Think about the two groups who showed up for Jesus. You got the shepherds and the magi. The shepherds we're gonna look at on Christmas Eve, but these guys were poor. The shepherds were uneducated. (laughs) The shepherds were kind of like middle-class guys. You know, they're out doing their job. They're right there in Bethlehem. I mean, you know, they're local. The Magi, these guys are wealthy, they're successful, they're highly educated. I mean, the most educated people probably back then at that time. These guys came from a long way away, 1,600 miles to be there to be with Jesus. So what do you think God's trying to teach us right here when Jesus is born? He's saying, look, if you look at Jesus' genealogy, you've got Jews, you've got Gentiles. You even have Rahab the prostitute, you know? You got some people with a sketchy past right there. We saw Simeon and Anna. You've got men, you've got women. You've got educated, you've got uneducated. You've got poor, you've got successful, you know, in the worldly standards. What's he trying to say? He's saying, listen, everybody's invited to Jesus. The gospel's for all people. And maybe sometimes you kind of think, well, I'm on the outside, you know. I don't know enough about the Bible. Or, you know, I've done some things in the past. Listen, stop. Stop making excuses. There is a God who's drawing you to himself. There's a God who's inviting you into a relationship with him. The Messiah is for you. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Wherever you are, don't disqualify yourself. God has a plan or purpose for you, and we see that right here. Look, why did the religious leaders of the day not show up to see Jesus? You ever thought about that? I do, I mean, I'm sitting there and go, Herod goes to goes, hey guys, where's the Messiah gonna be born? And they're like, in Bethlehem. And he's like, Bethlehem, like five miles away, Bethlehem? Like we're here in Jerusalem and like you can go five miles and there's that Bethlehem? Yeah, that Bethlehem, right? And then they don't go. Why do you think they didn't show up? Why do you think that they were going, hey, we've been studying this Old Testament thing for so long, let's go. Why? 
You see, here's the thing. I think a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, they don't wanna mess with uh, their own ideas or their own thoughts or their own Christmas. And if all of a sudden we start going and bringing Jesus into the mix, it means some things that maybe have to change. And the religious leaders were like, we kind of got a good deal going here, you know? You know, I mean, Herod kind of leaves us alone, lets us do our thing. And in the process, they missed it. (laughs) In the process, they missed what God was doing. And it's heartbreaking. You see, even today, right? Even today, there are cultural Christians and there are committed Christians. A lot of people go, well, you know, I live in the Bible Belt. You know, I'm a Christian. (laughs) Really? Wow. Okay, it's like, you know, when you go overseas and you meet people around and, you know, know, hey, you know, do you know Jesus? Well, I'm a Muslim. Okay, great, you know. Like, are you practicing? No, no, I'm not practicing. I was just born into it. That, that's who I am. I was just born into it. That's my life. And, and you kind of get the same sense sometimes here. And at some point, you have to go, okay, it's one thing to have cultural Christians. It's one thing to have Christmas. That's kind of what everybody does. But it's another thing when all of a sudden we go, wait a minute. <laughs> I am a sinner saved by grace. I am somebody who's put my faith and my trust in Jesus you know, I've been baptized in Christ. I'm living for Christ. I'm not perfect, but I'm pursuing him. That's the committed Christian. And not that we have it all together, but man, it's not just that I was born here. It's that I'm living for Jesus. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I realized that I was a sinner. I realized that I was far from God. But it is the grace of God that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus, come in, redeem me, restore me, forgive my sins, and I want to live for you. That's the gospel. And that's the call for all of us. And and there's a lot of people around us, there are a lot of people in the world who are cultural Christians, but man, that we would be committed. We'd be committed. A lot of people who go, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get it. No, 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 God wants you to get it. God loves you with an everlasting love. You know, I look at this guy, there was a guy in the Old Testament, a guy named Saul, who becomes the first king, you know, over Israel. And he really wasn't wanting to do this deal. But all the people were like, we want a king, we want a king, he's the tallest one. And so God says, okay, you know, I want to be your king, but if you want this guy, here you go. And Saul was just kind of like in it, you know, because, hey, everybody wanted me to do it. And there he is. And then all of a sudden, they get these victories and God's blessing him. And he's like, wait a minute, this is a pretty good deal now. And then you get to 1 Samuel 15 and it says, Saul built a monument to himself. (laughs) Three chapters later and he's building a monument to himself. And I'm thinking, man, that can so easily happen in our lives, right? It's all about God at first. But if we're not committed, then all of a sudden it becomes about us. (laughs) And we just start to build monuments to ourselves and Instead of saying, I'm the supporting cast, I'm committed to Christ, I want him to be lifted high because when Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself and my heartbeat and my call is to live my life for him. That's the call for all of us. Hey, look at that. All right, look at this one. When we meet Jesus, our only response is to worship. It's our only response, man. I wanna worship. I love this. It says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. You know, when you meet Christ, there's a joy that comes in you because you realize what God's doing. You realize the grace that you're receiving. You realize the hope that comes. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him. 
It wasn't like they were going, hey, we're kings, we're pretty cool, you know, I just wanted to see you, and we're kind of out of here. They like bowed down and they worshiped him. Look, when a king walks into a room, everything changes. I mean, think back through history, right? When the king walks in the room, I mean, all the focus goes on the king. And people over here talking, what are you talking about? It really doesn't matter anymore because the king is here. I mean, all the trivial things we get caught up in, but the king is here. Well, the king has come into the room. That's what Christmas is about, that Jesus has walked in, that God put skin on and came to us. And man, our worship and our thoughts and our desires should change. See, worship is our response. Worship's a response. It's what we do, it's how we respond, right? It's our response to God for who he is. And who is he? He is sovereign over all. He is a God of grace. He is a God of love. He's a God of mercy for who he is and for what he has done in our lives. You ever get overwhelmed sometimes and just go, God, thank you. You are so good. Why was I born in the US? Why do I have the opportunities I have? Why do I have the friends I have? Why do I have the church I have? God, thank you. That's worship. That's expressing that gratitude. That's calling out to God. And that's what they did. Man, God, thank you for inviting us into your story. Hey, how will you worship and prioritize Jesus this Christmas? I just wanna say, Great job on being here today, way to go, you know. Great job for watching and tuning in because a lot of people will go, man, I got six days of Christmas, I got a lot to get done, right? You know, I got all these days to get done. And and you're going, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I wanna worship. I wanna remember what Christmas is all about. That's awesome. And that's what we're called to do. You know, Christmas Eve, I love the Christmas Eve services because, you know, before we get into presents and all that, it's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me worship the Christ of Christmas. Let me focus on him. And maybe this year you, you, you wanna get a Bible for your, your child or your student. You know, we have this Rolling Hill store and we have preschool Bibles and children Bibles and student Bibles. We have adult Bibles, you know, there's study Bibles. And, uh, whatever it is. Maybe you wanna sit down with your kids and make an ornament and say, hey, what is a verse of scripture that really God used in your life this year? 2021 and write that and put it on the tree every year and just start some things in your life and your family, some traditions that you go, hey, we want to worship Jesus. We want to prioritize him among everything else. And it's fine and it's fun and everything else, right? But man, we want to make sure that we're prioritizing Jesus. All right. Like the Magi, we too can bring our gifts to Jesus. (laughs) Like the Magi, we too can bring our gifts to Jesus. They opened their treasures, I love that, their treasures, and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. These weren't their leftovers, right? They weren't re-gifting something that, like, I got that from Egypt, you know, didn't really like it, so we'll bring that to Jesus, you know, like, no, 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 no. They brought their best, man. They came with their best. Look, each gift the Magi gave indicated the type of Messiah Jesus is. First, you've got gold, right? Gold for a king. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is sovereign over the entire world. Jesus conquered death. I mean, the big bully on the block, which everyone was afraid of, Jesus conquers, okay? Jesus reigns. They knew. This is God breaking into the world. Gold for a king. Look at this. Frankincense, 
for a priest. You go to Hebrews and you read that Jesus is our great high priest. You know, the beautiful part when you are in Christ, you don't have to go to confessional and confess your sins to a priest. You can go directly to God because Jesus is our great high priest. You can pray directly to God. You have a relationship with him. And they're given frankincense, and frankincense was used right, for, by the priest. It's still used today, right? You go to Greek Orthodox churches and you got the priests that are swinging the frankincense. It indicates that the sweet aroma, the sweet aroma of God. But here we go, we're gonna give frankincense for a priest because Jesus is our great high priest. But then look at this, myrrh. Myrrh, myrrh for death. Now that's a weird gift, I gotta tell you, to give a baby. You come roll it up and you give a baby, here you go, here's some embalming you know, things. You're like, uh, thank you, you know, that's awkward, right? You know, like, I mean, this is my child. I, that, that was just weird. Why would they do that? It was really expensive, one, super expensive. The other thing is, man, what it was indicating was, right, that Jesus came to die. Only person born to die. He lived 33 sinless years and he died on a cross for you. Try to get your head around that for a moment. He died for you. He came and he lived and he died on a cross for you. And even there at Jesus' birth, we see the kind of Messiah that Jesus is. A Messiah who can rule over all, a Messiah who loves with everlasting love and who is our great high priest and a Messiah who will die for us. Those gifts indicate that. Look at us. We can give the same type of gifts. We can give the same type of gifts. First, out of our resources. Our gold, right? You know, that's important. You talk about tithing. That was something that God established early on. You know, even back in the Old Testament, he says, hey, when you come into the land, you know, don't harvest all the way to the edges of the field. Leave some for the poor. You know, it established it early on, giving our first 10% back to God. Why? Because giving is the antidote to greed. It really is. And so much, if we don't ever give, we just get greedier and greedier and greedier. And so I love this time of year because, you know, we can all kind of look back and we get toward the end of the year and we can go, hey, wow, look how God's blessed me and have I given 10%, have I trusted in God? But especially at Christmas, we can think about, I'm giving gifts to my family, to my friends, to my neighbors, to people I don't even know, but I feel awkward if I don't give them a gift because they gave me a gift, right? But are we giving a gift to Jesus? Have you thought about that? You know, every year we have a red envelope, uh, Lisa and I, we... We do a red envelope every year. Just because you know, we give our gifts to everybody else and we just go, hey, we, we wanna give a gift back to the Lord because of what he's done in our lives. And there's different ways you could do that, but however it is, think about that. You know, this is going for playgrounds, for kids. It's gonna impact generations. And our God has been so good to us. We can give. No, notice this, we can also, frankincense, give our service. Our service. I love, and so many of you are on the core team. You know, so many of you, serve in so many different ways, but, but man, you can serve. Whether it's working with preschool or children or students or in the parking lot or with greeters or with ushers, there's a guy at our church, he gets here, he's, he's a, a pharmacist and you know, he's got his PhD, but he gets here at 6.30 in the morning and sets out cones and, so that we're ready and, and set up. And then he goes home and gets his kids and his family and comes back. Everybody can serve some way. We can serve, or if it's not here, I mean, the bridge ministry, or 413, or shower up, or path, somehow that we're using our service for the glory of God. And then look at this, myrrh, our sacrifice. In Romans 12, one and two, right? 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So when you die to self and you lift up Jesus, that's a spiritual act of worship. So when you put somebody in front of you, when you know, man, I can win this argument, but you know what, I'm not going to. I can love this person or I can put them down. And when I choose to love, when I choose to serve, when I choose to give, when I choose to praise, I'm lifting up Jesus. I'm dying to self and lifting up Christ. When I invite somebody to church, when I pray for somebody, when I take a gift to somebody who's hurting or, or need help or need hope, man, that is us living out that spiritual act of worship. That's how we can do that together. Hey, what gift will you bring to Jesus this Christmas? I mean, think about that. It is his birthday, by the way, that we celebrate, right? So, you know, when we think about it, like, we think it's our birthday so often, or our kids' birthdays, and we like, but, but we have to just remember, wait a minute, hold on. It is his birthday. What gift will you bring to him? A magi, the little drummer boy, you know, all these people are like, whatever it is for you, how can I do that? Listen, our presence and generosity impacts us and others. And this is the great time, guys. And some of you are great at giving gifts. Some of you are just awesome. At it. But, but it impacts you when you give. Right? Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. But it also impacts others. Now look at this. I've been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country by a different route. So these guys came and they worshiped. And then they went back different. Hey, God uses us when we are present. God uses us when we are present. I mean, these guys were so wealthy, they could have easily go, we'll send some servants, take the presents, we're not going 1,600 miles, the kids are gonna be a wreck, we're not doing it, you know? But they didn't. I mean, I don't know if they had Uber Eats back then, send the pizza, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but, but I'm just saying that they didn't have to make that sacrifice. But them being there mattered. I think it mattered to Mary and Joseph. I think Mary and Joseph are probably going, uh, did we miss it? You know, are you sure this is the Messiah? I mean, here we are away from our family. Here we are here. We, we don't know what's going on. And they roll up. I think it ministered to them. And you guys, when somebody's sick and you can walk across the street and take food or you can go over and pray with them. And a lot of times, you know what we do? We go, you know what, I, I don't really know what to say, so I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna send something, I'm not gonna do something. That's just the enemy keeping us. Because there's the power of presence. And when you're with people, when you're around, it matters, it matters. Look at this too, God uses our generosity. Guys, I wanna say great job to you, church. It was amazing, we had a giving wall up here, you know, for, for two weeks and we were taking things to, to bless our community. Over a thousand plus families in our own community, you blessed. Kids whose parents are in jail who, who wouldn't get anything and, and your generosity mattered. Whenever you do that, and you may think, oh, it's insignificant, you know, I don't know if I can help here or help there, but you know what, it matters. Think about this. Right after these guys go back a different route, Herod's like, no, 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 I'm going down there. And if you guys know, he issues a decree that all the baby boys born in Bethlehem, two years old and younger, are to be killed. Mary and Joseph, warned by an angel, take Jesus, they head to Egypt. 
How in the world are they gonna sustain themselves in Egypt? God's like, hey, I'll give you some gold, <laughs> frankincense, myrrh, I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Your generosity matters. Our generosity matters. God uses his people to bless others. Hey, may you be different after being with Jesus this Christmas. I pray this Christmas, you know, they returned a different way. They went back. I they man their whole lives. I mean, we're still studying about them 2,000 years later because of their sacrifice, their commitment to Christ. What about you? On December 26th, when everything goes back into the box, man, are you just gonna go back and live the same way? Or are you gonna go, wait a minute, I've been with Jesus. I wanna live a life for the glory of God. I wanna live every moment for him. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what struggles you've been going through or what you've been facing. But I would say make today a day that you, you first, you search your heart and soul and say, you know what, am I a cultural Christian or am I committed? Am I committed? Am I fully in? Maybe today Christmas has already kind of gotten out of control for you. You know, you're stressed out and you're worried. And, and today you go, whoa, 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 whoa. These next six days, I want to prioritize Jesus. In my own heart, in my own family, I, I want him to be lifted high. And maybe today God's calling you and just saying, hey, trust me. I'm with you. I'm for you. Put me first and worship. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Would you take a moment to respond in worship? And worship is our response to God for who he is and for what he's done in our lives. And maybe today you just wanna be thankful. God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that I have in Christ. Thank you for family and friends. Thank you for church. Thank you for your presence with me. So Father God, we come. Today, just like these people came 1,600 miles, God, we come today to worship, to bow down, to praise you. Father, I pray you would meet us in this moment and that you would change us, God, forever. That we'd be different from being in your presence, from knowing you. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for Christmas. And thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. And from there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and stay up to date on what's happening and ways that you can connect. We're thankful for you.